to where they belong, so let's go ahead and uh, jump in. The hospitality table, you have to shut that down or people never leave. Okay, we've been working on this uh, idea of beyond your imagination, and <clears throat> we're working through the first couple chapters of a, the book of Ephesians, uh, which was a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. And uh, as we jump in, uh, have you noticed that at Skyline we don't, uh, we don't really talk about politics, uh, almost never, and uh, we don't talk about social issues a lot. We do talk about uh, issues that touch relationships or impact your relationship with Christ and be able to grow in that way, but we don't deal with the, with the politics a lot. Um, it's not because they're not important, uh, but it is because we live in a culture where it's almost impossible to talk about those things without being either attacked or misunderstood. It's almost impossible to talk about those things without the person taking a keyword or something you said and saying, oh, I know who you are, and then they, you never really get to explain fully um, where you're coming from. So we find ourselves in this world of, of conflict. Do you find yourself in the same world? Do you find yourself in places, maybe you're in a restaurant and you overhear somebody saying something and you're like, oh man, don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say anything. Or uh, you've, uh, you, you're traveling on the bus or you're someplace. Um, I personally feel like uh, I really can't talk about what I really believe or what I think because um, you'll kind of be, uh, I don't think persecuted, that's a little too strong, but um, you, you won't really get a chance to have a real conversation with somebody uh, without being uh, attacked or looked down upon for some reason or another. Is that the world you live in? How about in our own church? Uh, from time to time, uh, I don't do this very often, but from time to time, I will uh, check out Facebook to see where our church is at. And so most of our Facebook pages are connected to each other. You know that, right? right? So I can usually find somebody's, and then I can find your friends as well, right? So you check out Facebook, and uh, you uh, always love doing this because then people go home right away and change their Facebook. Uh, and you'll see things that people have posted that are really the opposite of what I think or believe. Uh, what's really common today is people, uh, not you guys, but people will make out commercials. And they'll take a particular side. They'll take uh, the side of, of uh, free medicine, or they'll take the side of someplace, uh, something that you ought to do uh, with parenting or along those lines. And when you watch the video, it's clear that all oh, these horrible people that wouldn't want this, and wow, these people are amazing that do want this. And you watch that, and you're, yeah, yeah, but you're not really telling the facts. Like it's not, life doesn't really work that way. But could we talk about that stuff? Like, is it, is it possible for us to talk about that? Or do you find yourself that when you hear that someone is on the other side of the issue, issues like socialism and, and communism and capitalism, which if you vote, you need to know what those words mean. Um, can we talk about those things and we get on, on social media or we hear our friends talk and we hear that they hear something, they think something differently than we do? Or does that cause you to either fear or cause you to go, wow, I can't trust that person anymore. 
I can't believe that. I can't believe they believe that. I can't believe they think that. We have a lot of police officers in our church. And so over the last, what, year and a half, all of what's happened with the, the danger of police officers and how people have either come out against uh, police officers or they've come out um, for them and the danger that they're in now. I mean, this is life and death kind of things. Like you find yourself checking something out and going, whoa, okay, that, that, person, that person's out. Because we live in a really divisive world. I don't think it's more divisive than it's ever been. If you study history and you know uh, what's happened, not only in our country, but in other countries, it's always been very divisive. We do live in a world that has social media, so it's always in front of us. We do live in a part of the country where uh, it is a melting pot of a ton of different cultures all at the same time. And change is happening really, really rapidly. And so there's this giant division. What do we do? How do we live at peace in a world that has so much conflict? How do we live in a world where we live at peace in a world that not only has so much conflict, but people think it's their job to be aggressive in, in, in shouting that down or putting that down or pushing this up. And so that's what we are going to wrestle with over the next two weeks. This is a, a two-part message. Um, and we're going to uh, jump into the book of Ephesians and begin to look at how do you do that? Uh, and we're going to apply it specifically to our church, our family, what's going on with us. Um, we're going to jump in with uh, chapter 11 of, of uh, I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 11 in the book of Ephesians. Uh, as we work through this, I'm going to move fairly quickly. Uh, today, the goal is to lay out the truth of what the Bible has to say, and then next week, talk a little uh, far more in depth in terms of how we practice that together. At times, it can seem complicated because uh, there's, there's quite a bit of information here. Um, but we'll, when we get done, I think you'll see kind of the, the basics or the, the simplicity of it. He says, therefore, remember that you formerly, you who are Gentiles by birth and called on circumcision. So and when Ephesians was written, there were, it was written by Paul and everything that we believe or what the Bible talks about really is based on Judaism. It's an interesting thing that we live in a world where uh, there's, there's sometimes conflict between Judaism and Christianity, and really, our, what the Bible teaches is based on Judaism. That God, at one point in history, said, I want to bless the whole world. I want to make a difference in the whole world. I want to reveal myself to the whole world, and the way I'm going to do that is I am going to choose a nation and build a nation that are going to be my people. And I'm going to have this loving relationship between them. We're going to have a covenant relationship between them. I'm going to make promises to them, and they're going to trust me. And the world is going to be able to see that and then be able to show that to the whole world. That's the idea behind the Old Testament. That's the idea behind Judaism. And, and so at this time of this writing, uh, Christ has come as, and Christ was a Jew. Christ had come, and he had come as the Savior of the world. And at the point of this writing, he had already died, risen again, and the Christian faith, trusting in Christ, had begun. And so 
there were really, in their minds, there were two different kinds of, there was only two kinds of people in the world. There were Jews and there were Gentiles. We are all Gentiles, uh, unless you were, your lineage is Jewish. Um, and that may be true for you, but for 90, 95% of our congregation, uh, you're Gentiles. And so they're talking about us. And by those, by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Without hope and without God in the world. The foundation to what we're going to talk about today is he is reminding us that as Gentiles, we had no hope of finding God. Now, we started this book of Ephesians, and the first thing we learned was that our future had been secured. Our future had been secured because Jesus had come and paid for us to be able to get to heaven. And then he, he offers that to you. You can either accept that or reject that, but it's been secured if you want to accept that and accept him. And then Dan talked about the, the amazing power that's available. And then Mike talked about the fact that you are seated in the heavenlies. We talked about, uh, he talked about that last week, about where are you seated? You're seated with God. You live from that place because it's amazing things that Jesus did, had done. Those first three weeks, they're just, they're beyond your imagination that that could really be true for you. But he's reminding us here that when it all started, as Gentiles, we had no hope of finding God. There are no Gentile religions that will lead you to the living God. They will lead you to whatever God that that religion has made up, but they will not lead you to the living God. And sometimes we forget that. We, we want to remember that as Gentiles, we had no hope of finding God. Communism, socialism, capitalism, social justice, Buddha, the Muslim religion, or Islam, whatever ism you want to come up with will not lead you to the living God. We started, and sometimes you, you grow up, you think, I've always believed in God, I've always think, he's laying out here that before Christ, there's no hope. You just had you. And you had no way in and of yourself to be able to get to God. Then he goes on to say, but now... And but is almost always a great thing, especially in the New Testament. Usually he lays out, this is true, but because of Jesus, this, something else can be true. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. The question was, how do you live at peace in these situations? Well, what is our peace? Our peace is actually a person. It's not a belief system. It's not a political system. It's not a set of ideas. It's a person. Who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law and its commands and regulations. This one's a little bit hard to relate to because, um, <clears throat> because you've grown up in America where Christ historically came 2,000 years ago, 
And so you grew up in a place where um, Jesus was known about, and you most of the, for the most part, you didn't grow up in a place where there was just two kinds of people, the Jews and the Gentiles. You did grow up in a place where there were two kinds of people, they just weren't called Jews and Gentiles. You did grow up in a place where there was a group of people that you were either despised by or you despised. You're like, oh, that's not true for me. You just haven't thought this too far enough. It is true. There are people that you despise or who despise you. It's, a, it's why our world is cracking all over the place. Like, just go turn on the news. On the news, it's the reporting of people who despise someone for some reason or vice versa, the other way around. In this case, it was the Jews and it was the Gentiles. And this is what Jesus said. Let me give you the point first. Jesus gave both Jews and Gentiles a 100% chance of finding peace with God. Let me back up a second. I missed a major piece of this, so let me back up for just a second. Um, our question is, how do you live at peace in a world that's so divided? And uh, lots of times in messages, I like to work through the message and let you come to the conclusion at the end with me. But this one can seem a bit complicated, so I'm gonna give you the, I'm gonna give you the big idea right up front. I wanna give you exactly what it is I wanna teach you, and it's this. God's plan for the world, God's hope for the world, is not that we all get along. God's hope for the world is not that we all just become one big happy family and humanity just melts together in this amazing thing. God's purpose, God's plan, is not to make you a better person. It's not to take you and make you into a better person. To take you from a D to a C or a B. Take you from a C to a B minus. That's not God's plan. God's plan is to start a whole new humanity. God's plan is to create a new kingdom, a new humanity, a new family. And then this family is to relate to one another based on the fruit of the Spirit. They're to interact with each other based on the fruit of the Spirit. That's how they interact as one. And then they're to relate to the people who are outside of that family, outside of that new humanity, by giving their lives for those people. They're to love them. Let me walk through this again. This is what we're going to be talking about for the next two, next two weeks. God's plan is to create a new humanity. And this new humanity interacts with each other by the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. And they interact with the world around them, not as though that world is their enemy. Unless you want to say, yes, they are the enemy. But God's way of interacting with the enemy is to what? Love your 
enemy. It's to do what is best for them, no matter what it costs you. We interact with each other by the Spirit. We love those that are not part of this new humanity. So let's jump back to the, the passage. So this first step was, as Gentiles, we had no hope of finding God. No hope of finding that peace. The second is, Jesus gave both Jews and Gentiles a 100% chance of finding peace with God. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside his, fre- this, his flesh, I'm sorry, in his flesh, the law and the commands and regulations. So I'm going to teach it to you. I'm going to, I'm going to give you something to think about, and then we're going to come back to it for a second. All right. First, God's plan was this. You had two groups of people. You had the Jews who'd been called by God, but rejected him. They fell in love with the idea of the law. They fell in love with the idea that they were born into the family of God, humanly. And, and circumcision, won't go into what circumcision is, but if you've never heard what it is, ask the person next to you, it's going to gross you out a little bit. So the circumcision, actually, this was the way that someone knew that they were a Jew, because you, you were circumcised on the eighth day. And then they loved this idea that they were to keep the rules. And if they kept the rules good, well enough, then God was at peace with them. They actually rebelled against God and his love and his mercy and his grace and fell in love with self-righteousness. And so they were a people called by God, but they rejected him. The Gentiles were a people not called by God. They were idol worshipers, self-worshippers, and nature worshipers, just like we are today. Idol worshipers, self-worshippers, and nature worshipers. So what God did is he said, okay, I'm going to take these two groups of people, and I'm going to be your peace. He took the two groups, and he said, look, you're, neither one of you really has a chance of having peace with God. And so I will come, live a perfect life, keep the law. He kept every bit of the law. I'll keep it all. Then, at the end of his life, he paid for every area where the Jews broke the law, and he paid for our rebellion against God. So whenever... If you were to stand before God, if you're a believer and you stand before God, and someone was come to and come and accuse you, like, no, 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 look, he did that. Jesus go paid for that. He did that. I paid for that. He did. I paid for that. He's mine. I paid for that. I paid for that. I paid for that. Yeah, that was a really bad one. I paid for that. (laughs) So now the two groups of people are one. Why? Because their only right to be there is Jesus himself. They've walked through the same door. Their only pride can't be in themselves. It can only be in Jesus. It's by grace through faith. God did all the pain. He did all the suffering. He did all of the giving. I did the breaking. And so it's by grace. I don't earn it. It's a gift that is given to me. 
I simply accept him. I turn, I repent of what I used to trust in, which was me, or whatever religion it was, and now I'm going to trust in Jesus. So now the barrier, the law is fulfilled. It's taken care of. It doesn't keep us apart. Why? Because you came as a Jew thinking you were better than me because you kept the law. You came to now, you've repented of that. You realize you couldn't keep the law and you had to have Jesus. I didn't have the law. And so maybe I thought you were better or vice versa. I thought I was better than you because that what a silly, stupid law. But I also couldn't please God. And so Jesus died for me. So we both walk through the same door. We become one. Now, for you here this morning, if this is one of the first times you've ever heard that, and, and you often wonder, well, I wonder, I wonder if I could go to heaven. I wonder what the chances are that I go to heaven. Sometimes I'll ask people that. So, think you're going to go to heaven? They'll be like, eh, I think I got like 70% chance. <laughs> Which is really good, by the way. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Based on what your 70% chance are, you have zero chance of going to heaven. But Jesus has provided a way that never fails. It's a 100% chance. There's only one question. Are you going to trust Jesus? Or the law? Or yourself? Or some ism? Why do you do this? What was his purpose? His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace, and one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. Two groups of people, they become one, peace with God through the cross. Where does the unity come from? The unity comes from Christ. In one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, Gentiles, and peace to you, those who were near, Jews, for through him we have access to the Father by one Spirit. We are one because the only way I get to God is through Jesus. And the only way you get to God is through Jesus. All I bring is my sin. He somehow pays for it, turns around, and gives me righteousness. Same exact thing for you. Now, let's go back to the political. Why is it that we get so fiery mad about the political? And maybe it's not political for you. Maybe it's vegetarianism. Maybe it's uh, animal... Can't remember the last word for that, but... You basically... Uh, that's not fair. I can't help it. I grew up on a farm. You think animals should be treated like people. And it just makes you furious when something that doesn't happen. Um, it can be all tons of different areas of your life. 
or life that you've seen. And there's this issue, and you're just furious. You can't trust the other person if they look at this issue differently than you do. And this is why. Because it is a moral issue. You think it's how, stay with me, however you define God, this is important, however you define God, you think that this issue is the issue that God cares about. And anybody who goes against where the position you've taken is taking people to hell. Politically, it's like, look, we can't, we have to stop this. We have to turn this around. Why? Because if we keep going where you're going, you're going to take the country to, people literally say that, don't they? You're going to take it to hell. And we have attached heaven and hell. And you're like, no, 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 mentally, I know it's not heaven and hell. I know you don't. Emotionally, it is. You are treating people just like they're taking people to hell. And if someone's taking someone to hell, does it really matter how you treat them? It doesn't, does it? Don't they deserve to be treated that way if they're taking people to hell? Inside, that's how we work, right? And so, I hate that person. I... I Feel it. I can never trust you again. How could you ever think that? That is so vile. How did we get there? Because we're connecting it to how you either get to God or we're connecting it to that's what's right. That's what has to be. This is what Jesus did. Jesus said, there's one way to get to God, and only one. There's one way to heaven, and only one. He took the moral out of it. And we become one. So these issues are not heaven and hell issues. The heaven and hell issue is whether or not you accept this gift that Jesus has for you or you reject it. Whether or not you accept Jesus or you reject Jesus. So as believers here in our church, our local church, those of you who have accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you are now part of the new humanity. You don't belong to the old humanity. You're part of the new humanity. And we are one. Why? Because our connection to God, our value system in terms of whether or not we have value or don't have value, it comes through Jesus. And so you have just as much value as I have and just as much as they do and just as much as they do. Why? Because you got it from Jesus. And you don't get it anyplace else. Jesus purposely, Jesus' purpose is one new humanity. 
my peace with God, my place with God, and my peace with you, and my place with you comes through Jesus. I'm part of, and you're part of, the new humanity. Next, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you're fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. We are citizens of God's household. I don't know how that strikes you. I personally didn't like it very much. I actually really struggle with this. My wife, we grew up in uh, the middle of the country. Um, this, isn't, this is a generalization, but I know most of you. And I, when you ask me where I'm from, right? If I ask you where you're from, you're not gonna give me a state. You're gonna give me a country, right? That's not a knock, right? It's the way it is. But that's not true for me. People are like, where are you from? I'm from Michigan. No, I mean, like, where are you from? Marcellus, Michigan. <laughs> no, I mean, like, where, where are you from? I'm American. I'm an American citizen. That is who I am. My wife, they traced her family back to 1607 or 1609. The original, her, one of her relatives was a indentured servant that came to the original American settling in the United States. Let me ask you a question. Am I a citizen of the family of God first or an American citizen? I'm a citizen of the family of God. And you have to choose. You don't have to choose either or. You have to choose what comes first. Are you a citizen first of the new humanity, a part of the family of God? Or are you an American citizen or whatever citizen that you happen to be? We are citizens of God. Did you know in Galatians 3.27 it says this, in Christ there are no Jews and Gentiles. For a Jew, that is a harsh, harsh, harsh thing to say. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, when you became one in me, there's now no difference. There's no Jew, there's no Gentile. He said there is no slave or free. That just doesn't seem possible. There's no Male or female? All these huge, giant social issues that everybody's fighting about. Did you know that Jesus solved that in the body of Christ? You, if you become a part of the body of Christ, are one with each other. You are citizens of God's household. Then it says this, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets 
with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. Here's the next big deal. Compromise never creates peace. Compromise never creates peace. Izzy and I look at the world differently. There's some things that Izzy believes that I think are dead wrong. And there's the things that I believe that Izzy thinks are dead wrong. So wouldn't it make sense that I say, Izzy, why don't you give up part of what you believe and I'll give up part of what I believe and let's meet in the middle. Then we'll have peace. All over the world, they're trying to get people to do that. Why can't you just get along? Why can't you just give up what you believe? So we can get along. All that creates is future war. That's what it creates. All that creates is I'm constantly working on Izzy giving up more than what I'm giving up. That's our relationship. <clears throat> what this teaches is that we as believers, the foundation for truth for us is Jesus and the Bible. That's the prophets and the apostles. So this is important, guys. This is super important for us. We don't say what Jesus thinks. We don't look at life and go, you know, that's a really tough deal, that situation, that divorce and remarriage thing's a really, really tough thing. I don't think Jesus is the kind of person who would. Time out. In other words, let's, let's change what the Bible says. Because if we change what the Bible says, then we can get along. We can experience unity. People do this all the time. You do it with your children. Well, actually, your children do it to you. They do it with you all the time. I know, I know we said that. I, I got that. I understand we said that. But let me tell you about the situation I'm in, Mom. So, Mom, don't you think this one time we could change it? So we could get along, Mom? This is a day-to-day -day basis. This is a day-to-day -day experience for you. Unity in the body of Christ is found or practiced. I don't want you to give up what you believe. But we are committed to submitting what we believe to what the Bible says and who Jesus is. We want to find out who Jesus is. Jesus, I want to say this the right way. Jesus doesn't actually belong to you. You belong to him. The goal is not to get Jesus to fit the way you live. Get the Bible to fit the way you live. The goal is to get our lives to fit what the Bible says. It's the foundation. Don't give up truth. Where does truth come from? It comes from Jesus and the Bible. But we have a problem here. And that problem is this. Oh, let me fill in the thing. Our unity is built on a person and the teachings of the Bible. So what if David reads his Bible, comes to find out it says something differently than what I've been saying? And we talk and I go, no, David, this is what it means. Let me show you. Let me explain to you. He goes like, no, that is not what it means. This is what it means. And before God, this is, I have to, I have to follow this, this is what it means. This is conflict. What are we going to do? Meet in the middle? No. 
don't meet in the middle. I don't want you to give up what you believe. Why? Because you are following Jesus and the apostles. That's what you're doing. It's the foundation of your life. But I will interact with you based on the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace. When I have this conversation with you, even though you are 100% wrong and it ticks me off that you're wrong, when I have this conversation with you, my first question is this, do I love you? If the answer is no, I am no longer operating in the spirit, am I? I am no longer, I'm gonna stand up for truth. If you're not gonna do it in love, you're not. It can't be done. You're not believing Jesus. So what I'm gonna do is go, do I love David? I love David. And I disagree with you wholeheartedly. I'm gonna show you how wrong you are. But I love you. I'm gonna respect you. I'm gonna be faithful to you. I'm gonna be gracious to you. That's how the new humanity lives. I want to step back and be honest with you before I say this next thing. I find this really hard to believe. This goes against everything I, I naturally, old human, operate like. I'm a competitive person. After I've defeated you, I will love you. Right? It just doesn't make sense. No, if I love them first, then they're going to take the world to hell. Right? No. No, this is beautiful. We have something no one else in the, the universe has. We have a way of disagreeing with each other about things that are really important and experiencing unity at the same time. We have a way of living in this incredible tension of a culture that's at war with each other in such a way that we actually have peace. But you can't be part of the old humanity and do it at the same time. You can't live in the flesh. You can't live. You can't be a citizen of America first and do this. You have to choose to believe in Jesus, to build your life on grace by faith. I'm going to teach you how to do that next week. As we sing, would you interact with that Jesus? And would you, just out of the corner of your eye, look at the person to your right and look at the person to your left and go, you know what? I love that person. That's who I really am. That person is one with me. We belong to each other. And just enjoy the peace and the love that goes with that.